Neve Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution. So welcome to head teacher David Bullock, who's the head teacher of Onslow St. Audrey's, a secondary school in Hertfordshire. How are you, Dave? Hi, I'm good, Cathy. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So we're, we've got lots of questions for you today. First of all, I want to kick off talking about what it's been like being a head teacher in this particular environment at, at this time. Well, big question. It's been a challenge, I'm not going to lie, um, more so for the fact that just to sort of drip feed information we've received from the government and the DfE about what, what is actually happening. So what's probably... I know we spoke about it off air, but actually the first time head teachers heard about schools closing apart from to vulnerable and children of key workers was when we were watching it on telly. So if you imagine all the head teachers didn't receive any information before, we hadn't received a letter to send to parents, we hadn't sent any information, we hadn't been prepped or informed at all. And and then we were it was announced on TV uh, that, that all the schools were closing apart from, which then led to no school closures in effect. So so something I wanted to ask you is that, are you basically now up and running for key workers with sort of, you know, looking after children, teaching children that you've never met before? No, not at all. So... Uh, In Germany, they've been doing that for a number of weeks where they actually opened one school in the city or town and all the kids from key workers went to the same school. Uh, That's not happened. HCC have asked schools to do that, although from most of the feedback, lots of schools have rather said they'd rather teach their own students. It does open up, obviously, things like safeguarding issues if schools, children from other schools go to different schools or if you have an EHCP, you then have to share that EHC with the other school. A member of staff might not have taught them. There might be problems with relationships. There's a whole myriad of problems with trying to have students going to different schools, which has probably not really been thought through particularly well by the government, I'd imagine. However, on Monday, I had 11 pupils in school, which was a mixture of key workers and vulnerables. Um, We then had six on Tuesday, five on Wednesday, four yesterday i've got three today wow so but but i still have to have someone in the canteen i still need to have someone on reception i still need to have a member of senior team and I, i still have a very very skeletal sort of teaching staff as well plus the cleaners obviously have to come in because if the cleaners don't come in they don't get paid and and how have you adjusted to the online learning demands that your existing pupils will require well, before we get onto that, I just kind of sh- share what we've done as a school. So we've tried to be um, as creative as possible. So we've changed our whole school day really to minimise the amount of teachers that need to come in. Now, I know there's some stories of um, schools having all of their teaching staff in, for example, on Monday. So what we did, we changed the school day to three sessions. So there was an hour 40 uh, in the morning, then a half an hour break, then an hour 40 in the middle, then a half an hour break and then an hour 40 in the afternoon. And so one teacher comes in 
and the students work on uh, work that's been set by their teachers online in a computer room. Although, you know, yesterday we had a, an art session where they did African masks. We've had some PE sessions. We've currently got a media session this afternoon where the students are watching um, a film, for example. Um, and so there's one member of staff supervising that while I'm on the phone to you. There's one member of staff in reception and the canteen staff have all gone home. So the, the logistics of trying to keep a school open and then we've, we've not been informed whether if we don't have students, whether we still have to open. From what you're saying, there are some big issues around communicating with school leaders. Yeah, it's been appalling. Let's not let's not be you know silly about this. The, the communication has been through the, through watching it on TV. And whilst we've got a thank you letter from Gavin Williamson, which is really nice, um, there was no real pre-communication. So therefore, schools, every school was kind of making it up as they went on. Now, I know it's a unique situation, but surely the government and the DfE, before they made those announcements, should have really consulted and then disseminated what they discussed amongst all the schools so that you had a consistent message going out as it is you know all schools are working in isolation i'm quite lucky because i i work with a number of schools in Wellington hatfield we've obviously got a whatsapp group between the head teachers and we've been sharing information i'm part of a trust so i've been working with all of my trust at schools as well so i was on a conference call earlier with about 19 people where we're talking about hr we're talking about uh, funding finances staffing all of those things it's a huge myriad of issues that you need to keep ticking over um and like i said earlier the free school meals was a massive one i have 150 students with free school meals and the government didn't give us anything for a week so we offered parents they could come in and get a meal but then obviously that goes against the government guidelines we've then been in communication with tesco's i know schools have been in conversation with with morrison's so we've I, on on was it yesterday i I had to pay £4,500 on a credit card for 150 £30 Tesco vouchers for my parents. Wow. So that's, that's just two weeks of free school meals. So if this goes on for 12 weeks, that's a huge amount of money. Plus also, even Tesco's, they emailed out the voucher, but you couldn't, you couldn't use the voucher online, so you had to use it in store. Even that's ridiculous. And Dave, listening to you talk, I'm wondering, is there is there anything the community can do to help you as a head teacher with these different challenges? Uh, yeah, stay at home. Follow the advice that's been given. Um, stay at home. And, and actually, I'm really thankful a lot of my parents have done that, which has been really helpful. And my staff have been amazing. The staff have been incredible coming in and delivering sessions, um, working with the young people we have. You know, Hearts Catering have been brilliant, uh, the support staff, the teaching staff. So what it's what it's done is it, it has brought the school community together and the parents have been very supportive. We'll get on to the home learning part in a second. But but actually, you know, it, it's just a challenge because actually, you know, you look outside your window, there's still people walking around. There's still people, you know, playing football on the park and so on. There's too many people still think it's a holiday, you know, and that, that's yeah. the challenge because the government has been so... Um, so sort of vague with what they've said, and this is sort of drip fed in, that, that people, you know, are out doing exercise because they've been told they can, but then people were told they could still go out. We weren't closing the pubs. So it's just been such a difficult, for our, from my perspective, in terms of what we're communicating to our parents and our students. And you've had to obviously navigate through as best you can, albeit with colleagues' support. 
Yeah, of course. Like I've relied on the head teachers I know and worked very well with, you know, um, people online. You know, I'm friends with people like Vic Goddard, for example, who I, I know you know. You know, Vic's been brilliant. I've spoken to him a few times. Um, he's been reaching out to government to give us more support. How do we keep teachers safe in this sort of period and support staff safe? Because that's not even been communicated at all to schools. You know, we've not been issued with any masks or gloves or anything like that. We've just been told to stay two metres away. It's it's been um, it's been pretty poor, to be honest. And Dave, obviously, you must be concerned about your own health because if you get the virus, who's going to lead the school? I mean, what sort of contingencies do you think about in that regard? Well, obviously, I've got a, a really strong, um, supportive senior leadership team, and we've taken it in terms to be in for different days. However, three of my staff, uh, senior staff, are self isolating. Uh, one of my members of staff has. A child who's on the vulnerable register, so he can't come in for 12 weeks. So even if we come back to school, he can't come back for 12 weeks. You know, as I said, two others. So myself and two or three other senior member staff have been in, but I've got, I've got members of staff whose children are vulnerable. So therefore I don't want them to come in. I want them to keep them safe. My wife uh, is off because she's got like a pre-existing sort of um, asthmatic condition. Uh, however, you know, she's fine and my two kids are working from home as well, but. It's uh, it, it, I've relied on the people around me. You know, I've got some amazing staff and, and they've all stepped up. Dave, in terms of your pupils whose exams were very hastily cancelled, what is what, what has been your experience of their response to that step? How have students responded to GCSEs and A-level cancellations? It's a really weird, I think it was March the 18th when they said, you know, there was no exams. Now, bear in mind that that's eight weeks pretty much before the first exam starts. If I'm honest, there wasn't, if by saying that, a lot of students nationally would have downed tools, which is understandable because actually if you've been told there's no exams, what is the point of continuing to study? essentially, particularly if you're not studying those subjects at A-level, um, which is interesting. And also year nine students, they've already done their options. So if they've chose history, why would they continue to study geography? So all of those factors are kind of quite interesting. Um, students have been really good. Obviously, we've spoken to a lot of our students about the fact that they still need to complete coursework in case that's an evidence. We've not really been provided with much evidence about how they're going to assess, apart from saying it's teacher assessment. The frustration from my perspective is that I've been head teacher here for 18 months and my year 11 students are incredible. They've worked so hard for 18 months and we predicted the best results in the school's history, which would have been amazing and sort of, you know, recorded what we've done. And yet now um, we have no idea what necessarily they're going to ask for. So very much schools are in the dark at the moment, apart from teacher assessment. Now, if you go back then to you know 2015, when Michael Gove and decided to get rid of coursework and to make everything linear, this is what can happen because now you have no evidence of what's gone before because there's very few subjects that now use coursework um, or controlled assessments. So therefore, everything is based on the exam. Well, what do you do then if there's no exams? It, it, it's a kind of a ludicrous situation. And Dave, would you be recommending that students maintain some sort of work rhythm, study rhythm, as hard as that is? Because presumably they could do some resets potentially further down the line. Yeah, of course. I, I spoke to a friend of mine, Bruce, yesterday, whose son's in year 11. I used to teach him when I used to work at Verulam. And we had a half an hour conversation because we were talking about, well, it's really now as an opportunity for you to do your preparation work for your A-levels. 
So, yes, of course, finished courses, finished coursework you've got, if there is any. However, you can do your wider reading. You, there's lots of work you can do. So this young man I was talking to is doing economics, geography and maths. So I've, I've emailed him a few books he can read. Um, the head of geography at the previous school has sent him some information. Um, so he can use that really to develop wider reading around a subject, which will pay dividends when he does his A-levels and beyond. You know, he's a bright young man anyway. However, having that sort of opportunity to study now more widely and read more widely will really help him in the future. However, you've got to be really motivated to do that. And if you imagine that after sort of, you know, June the 10th, students in year 11 and year 13 would have had about 80 days off before they start A-levels. That is a real challenge. Jess, who's my who's head of sixth form at my school, assistant head. So what we're doing is we're doing a, a bridging pack for year 11, which we'll be sending out after Easter, which is work they can do in preparation for their A-levels. So we would usually set a summer project. Most schools would. We're just going to make that a little bit bigger and beefier so that students have got more work to do in their preparation. Um, to try to give them something because you have got to keep some routine otherwise you'd go crazy and Dave your children your own children are a, a little bit younger but than, than a level year GCSE year but and they're lucky to have two parents who are teachers I wouldn't say lucky I don't think they think that but um... uh, tell us what it's been like even for, for you and your wife as teachers in terms of in, installing a new homeschooling system yeah, so we last week the student my 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 son and daughter were supposed to go on a trip to Barcelona, a sports tour with their school, and obviously that's not happening. So we'll be getting a refund. So we use that money to buy them both a Chromebook. Um, wow. so they could work from home. Chromebooks sort of from Curry's sort of two hundred and fifty quid. And so we bought a Chromebook for them, which they had last week arrived actually on Friday. So they've both been using that to study at home. My son studies in the kitchen and my daughter studies in her. She's got a desk in her room. My wife studies uh, downstairs in the front room. There's a sort of we've set up a desk in there. I've generally been coming to work, obviously. And the, the, the schools have been setting work for them. They've been uh, sort of getting on with it, trying to, you know, keep in as much a routine as possible. My son's in year 10. So it's obviously vital for him for his GCCs. My daughter's in year eight. And so she's been working hard as well. But we'll talk a little about about, you know, some sort of tips that we've been using, but actually that, that all parents can use, no doubt, in a moment. And Dave, I know that you're you've done you physical exercise and sport a lot. Yeah. To what extent have you been making sure that your children have access to as much physical activity as possible? Well, you know, simple things in the garden, you know, generally, I, I actually wrote an extracurricular timetable, believe it or not, for them. <laughs> um, so I'm in charge of extracurricular. So so we're quite lucky. We've got like a netball post at home. We've got a football you know, goal in the garden. A few weeks ago, I bought like a secondhand table tennis table, which is now in the front room, which my wife is thrilled with. We've got <laughs> in the garage. So and, and then, you know, we live on sort of some sort of next to some farmland and so on so we can actually go for a run relatively easily but we, we always play football every day we always play table tennis um got some chess and i'm trying to teach my daughter cribbage which is a bit weird but my um so my granddad taught me so i'm trying to teach her because we've got a bit of an opportunity to learn something different uh she absolutely hates it but i'm hoping to but yeah so we, we try to factor in time during a day where they can play you know Still, obviously, PlayStation, but just minimising that as much as possible. Just trying to keep the school day as much as possible. I was actually home yesterday for my first day of homeschool, and I reckon I got told off more than they did. <laughs> I was kind of sent back to work in order to um, allow everyone else to work at home. 
And one of the things you've mentioned, which I think parents are really struggling with, is we've been telling our children to have a balanced approach to screen time. And then suddenly they have to be on the screen, you know, like five hours a day completing schoolwork. Yeah, and, and I think it's important to, to realise that this is new for schools relatively as well. Some schools will have Google Education, some schools will have online platforms that they'll use. But this teachers aren't IT gurus. We, I think sometimes maybe parents think the teachers know everything about doing this. This is totally new for us as well. You know, we've never had to do a, a literally move a school online that is you know, it's it crazy. This The last week has been a massive learning curve for everyone. So I know parents will be at home now, some of them putting their hair out. Some teachers have been as well, because teachers are good at interacting, building relationships, you know, teaching, as opposed to uploading resources and students kind of getting on with it. That's not really what teachers do. Um, teaching is about the interaction with young people, not necessarily just an online platform. And it's difficult. Obviously, there's things like Zoom and Microsoft Teams, all those things. Although there's safeguarding issues around that as well, about, you know, groups logging on, things with behaviour, online safety, all those, you know, things that are really important, even GDPR, sharing that sort of information. So there's a lot of work being done behind the scenes by schools um, to ensure that students are accessing work. Although I think I'm sure there's some parents out there who will be like, we're getting too much work, I'm sure, and expecting parents to be teachers. And the reality is you're not. Well, I think I think before we get to that point, something I wanted to say is that I think it's it's been alarming for parents to sort of the inconsistency between schools. So, you know, some of my friends will have children in three different schools. One one school re- immediately went to online learning and everything was seamless. Another school doesn't know what they're doing. Another school is experimenting with different platforms. I think we've been taken aback by the inconsistency. We sort of thought somewhere there would be some kind of overarching leadership in terms of which online platforms would work best. Yeah, but if you imagine all schools use something different. So some schools use Show My Homework, some schools use Google Education, some schools use, uh, like my school, Go For Schools. They're not necessarily set up to teach the whole thing online. They're, yeah, they're, yeah. they're set up for homeworks or maybe some activities or maybe some conference calls, etc. They're not necessarily meant to, you know, a whole school is moving online. That's that's a huge expanse. If you imagine this is this happened on... I think the um, the key worker list came out about 12.30 at night on the Thursday, on Friday morning. So we're less than a week in. We had the weekend. And so staff have had four or five days at the moment to get their head around this. Plus, if you imagine, if teachers are working from home, they've got their own families at home. Plus, they might be ill as well or self-isolating or they might have the virus. So the difference, the inconsistency is because there's inconsistency in everything. Some of the students might be ill. Some of the parents might be ill. Some of the parents might have, like you said, three kids in three different settings at different age groups and are trying to juggle home life, school, um, their own health, their family. Like this is a unique situation. It's not a, a quick fix. This is this is going to take a while, and, and I, I know I sent you some information, which I hopefully you can share, but the, the, the most important thing is if you are a parent, don't be too hard on yourself. Um, and also, don't be too hard on your school because your school are working it out as they go 
as well. We're, we're learning. I've had a, a conference call today with my um, leadership team uh, on Microsoft Teams. We've never done that before. It was great fun, and we've got lots through it. An hour before that, I had a, a conference call with 13 people through my trust on Microsoft Teams. So these are all new things that we've never done before as well. So so it is it's a challenge for everyone. You know, schools don't have all the answers, you know, and we have certainly haven't been given many answers by the government. And I think that you've mentioned parents, you know, giving themselves a break. Let's let's talk about, you know, this relationship between teachers and parents. Parents might be sent home things to get their teenager to do. That's easier said than done, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I think one of the parts I said is that the, 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 what I would say to parents is don't try and replicate school at home. Don't do try to do five periods or six periods with a break and a lunch and so on. You, you can't do everything. Students are going to struggle. You can't sit there for an hour. A student's very rarely, like my son yesterday had an assembly sent home for him to listen to. Um, <laughs> and, and, I, and I listened to it and I was like, it's a great idea. However, I don't know whether that's the most important thing. That 20 minutes might have been better served by him playing football in the garden or going to listen to music or just chilling out. But, you know, yeah, my certainly my two kids, they get up eight o'clock. They're, they're by, sat on their computer by about quarter to nine and then they start working at nine. But then we factor in regular breaks and breakfast and so on. And, you know, my son certainly has had a bit of anxiety because trying to keep up. Um, he's found that quite difficult. And so we fed back to the school and just said, that, you know, can you just ease back a little bit? But obviously schools, it's difficult to know how, how much students are going to work. You know, I had an English lesson the other day in my year eight class. I've, I set a PowerPoint with some activities to do. And I said, any problems, drop me an email. Um, and none of them have. So I can only take it they're doing OK. Well, as you suggest, everyone is learning. And I think we should all give ourselves a, a, a massive pat on the back just for getting through the week. And I think... I'm certainly taking it. I take what I want to take from what I'm told to do with my children at home. And I'm making it as long as my children are not feeling anxious, they're not stressed, they're feeling okay. And I, we, we can just pick and choose. And I think that's the best that we can hope for. Yeah, like there's, there's different approaches. There's, um, I think it's, it's called uh, Avon Mouth in Bournemouth. And what they've done for Key Stage 3 is they've done like a, a pick and mix the key stage three, and then students can choose what they want to study from the selection. So they can study whatever they want, which I quite like. We're having a look at that. Then key stage, you know, year 10 generally, there's there's some quite a lot of debate about you shouldn't really be, you know, introducing new topics. You should be consolidating what you've learned because actually the, the difference will be so vast. Like if you imagine, if you don't have a computer, if you're a disadvantaged pupil, for example, the gap will be so wide by the time we come back. It'll be wide and it already is because the students who have and the students who don't have are going to be exposed now more than ever. And so sometimes it's really about consolidating learning as opposed to learning new things. Um, and, th and that might be quite an important part for parents. I think that's a brilliant point because it's easier for me to go through my son's old textbooks with him and just make sure he he can tell me what he learned or what he knows. And I think just going over things is a lovely and easier thing for parents potentially to uh, start doing rather than, you know, uh, initiating a new topic. 
Yeah, mind maps of previous topics with keywords and definitions, those sort of things are really good. What I was going to do, I was going to signpost, there's a couple of really good websites that parents might be interested in. One of them is called Twinkle. Yeah. Um, Twinkle is a is free for a month um, and it is just filled with resources you can download for nothing. Um, and it's fantastic, like really good. Um, at all subjects, all key stages. That's really good. Things like if you log on, if you go onto the TES, which is Teaching Educate Times Educational Supplement, you can go into the resources bank. You can join up, create an account for free, and you can search anything and you can just download them. You may have to pay a couple of quid for some bits and bobs, but there's a lot of free resources and you can just download them to, to for your children to use. Revision materials, topics, research activities, all those sort of things. So the thing is, from a parent's perspective, we've been inundated with a tidal wave of, of free resources and options. But I think I think it's a good idea. I'd love to hear your view on it, that we, you know, I know my year six son is studying Edward II. So I need to look around Twinkle Tez, look around for things on Edward II. So be very specific. Otherwise, yes. nothing will get done. Or, or download, go, let him watch horrible histories. Yeah, brilliant idea. Yeah, and, and it doesn't have to always be writing. So, um, for example, I spoke yesterday to the lad in year 11. Simon Reeve did this brilliant program on iPlayer called The Americas, where he travels from Alaska all the way through America, Northern America, South America. And there are about six, I think, hour episodes. Now, not being funny, you could study that for geography. You could watch one of those every couple of days. That that would take up then three or four weeks. And that would be a geography section. You could watch horrible histories. You could, you know, you could watch Romeo and Juliet if you're doing English. You can watch, you know, Christmas Carol at Disney. You can watch Inspector Calls on telly. You know, 2015 is a good BBC version. There's loads of things that you don't necessarily have to always be writing. There's audio books. There's lots of things they can do. Like, bear in mind, they would always have had reading during the day. So let them have half hour just reading. Just sit in the sun and have a read, you know, or let them have half an hour with some music on. You've just got to kind of do chunks little chunks and not necessarily think that it's got to be academic all the time because the kids will burn out because this is not going to end in a couple of weeks and dave what you're describing is a sort of diversity of resources like mix it up a bit loads of things to listen to movement doing fun stuff in the garden a little bit of this little bit of that it's quite interesting because there was a there's a report I read today which was about making sure kids are doing studying, not following celebrity, you know, workouts, whatever. I think that's a load of old rubbish. There's loads of really great stuff out there. There's, there's you know, BBC, Netflix are putting more educational programs out. You know, have a look at those, watch them. Twitter is a great resource because Twitter can direct you to certain things. Um, I think I tweeted yesterday there was a, a whole week of, of different programs that, that people were doing. You know, make sure you've got time in there where you can do some cooking and baking together. You know, make sure you play some games, some board games together. All those sort of things. It, it, it sounds weird to come from a head teacher, but it can't all be study, study, study. You'll go crazy. Now, Dave, you mentioned time frames and said that this may not be over soon. I'm scared to ask, but, you know, how do you think, is it true that a lot of children may not be back in school until September? I think that's very, very possible. I think that's highly possible. Um, so if you imagine, they reckon that April and May are going to be the worst months for this, so it's going to get worse. So then, then we're into June. And we've got 
half term. So we'll come back and we'll have six weeks and then it's end of the summer. The, the problem you have is obviously things like year six transition days and evenings for parents, induction for new staff, inset days for staff. There's, there's so many things, recruitment, um, HR issues. Um, it, you know, if a member of staff resigns now, you know, how do I interview someone? If, they've, if they're real, how can they come in? I've actually interviewed someone today um, and they've come in and we had to sit all two metres apart in my office um, and interview. It was the most surreal thing I've ever done. Do you know what? I mean, you are so resilient and the community owes a, uh, you know, we have, should have a round of applause in St Albans and surrounding areas for head teachers because your job sounds so hard at the moment. I'm in, I'm in awe. Yeah, what I'd say is I think... By the very nature, teachers are pretty resilient characters, and this is just another challenge. Um, if you've worked in education long enough, as you know, it's a pretty challenging environment to work in, not necessarily because of the young people, because of the, the directives we get given. So you're constantly sort of playing catch up. You're constantly adapting and changing. Um, this is another example of it. And, and what you tend to find is people are fantastic at doing that, adapting and what you need is just everyone to sort of join in and get involved. And I've been very lucky, and I know that's the same in lots of schools, where staff have been brilliant and just got on with it. And it's just another hurdle for us to climb, you know. And, and my young people, we've done a lot of stuff on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook to help. And everyone's everyone's getting involved. And that's that's really what you want. It's, it's, you know, out, out of this may come some positives, I feel. And in fact, I think they'll have to reform what education is because there's no way you can have this linear system where you've got this terminal set of exams because it doesn't work in situations like this i would much prefer a modular approach where students had a set of exams or assessments you know all the way through year 10 11 and year 12 and 13 and then you you can sort of you've got a running commentary of how they're getting on that would make a huge difference that's right i mean as you've described the system isn't flexible enough to reflect the sort of the unpredictability of life absolutely and also you know, coursework helps a number of people who do certain courses that, you know, when I was at school, for example, I was very good at essays and writing essays. I was awful at exams. So by very nature, if you've got a range of different ways of assessing young people, such as presentations or online or coursework or essays or exams, if you have a, a sort of a range of ways of assessing, you get a much it's much easier to then find out how they're doing across the board as opposed to just an exam, which fundamentally is a memory test. Dave, thinking about the future and the day when this ends, this crisis ends, are you secretly savouring all those lovely things that you're going to do afterwards? <laughs> you know, are you thinking about the opportunities and the, the experiences you normally enjoy? I, I know you love sport, for example. You know, are you keeping a list of things that you can't wait to do? Well, one of them I can't wait. I, I, I'm a Tottenham fan, so this is a, a pleasure that I don't have to go and watch them, if I'm honest. <laughs> The last few games I went to watch were horrendous, so I was I was begging to be self isolated. But um, I suppose it, the hardest thing, you know, even for me, like you know, I haven't seen my mum for two or three weeks because she's seventy and got one lung, so I don't know when I'm going to see her again. So I'm looking forward to seeing her and the people that we care about. We can't see, you know, and I'm missing some of my friends that I don't see and people I care about, and that's that's the thing that I, I'm sort of struggling with myself personally. But, you know, what with FaceTime and um, Microsoft Teams and things like that, that is helping, but it's not the same, is it? And I think that's the thing that, that we all miss when it comes to it. It's not the 
going out to pubs and stuff. It's just being around the people we care about. Yeah, well, I definitely miss going to the pub and being around friends. You're absolutely right. I mean, I think it's just highlighted the things that we normally took for granted and value so much now. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, listen, I love coming to work. You know that. I, I really enjoy the job I have and I'm I'm fortunate. To, I feel fortunate to have the job I have and, and actually coming to work, I'm, I'm still coming in a lot of the time and and, and enjoyed it but it's just not the same I, it's not the same being a virtual head teacher because because I love the the day-to-day sort of challenges of everything that comes about it so that's that's tough well well done on keeping your chin up well done on keeping a school running and good luck for the rest of our uh, hiatus at home yeah no problem now I did send you that um sheet um maybe that you might want to put that on your on your sort of um website just to share with parents it might help Lovely. So is that, what, did you just send me your extracurricular timetable? <laughs> no, I've, I've sent you some tips for homeschooling for parents. So there's 10 top tips, which I've, I've pulled from a few different sources just to try and help. Well, that's super kind of you to take time to talk to us, uh, given how busy you are. Thanks so much, Dave Bullock. No worries. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thank you. Neve solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution.